y'all what's goody i am back with another banger of an episode uh i know it's been a pretty long time since i uploaded but i've been praying about it and i think i actually have a plan to start uploading regularly uh so get excited for that there are plans to make another podcast uh another candid conversation with my friend caleb so love you if you're listening hi uh, if you don't hear this before we record, well then, you know what, that's okay. But I decided, you know, I'm not going to do an intro this time where we have like the intro and like the fun music. I'm just going to jump straight into it because I've got a lot to unpack. Uh, and I think, I think God's got some really, really cool revelation because he showed me some new stuff that I haven't heard before. And I'm just, I'm just super excited. So if you've got your Bible, open up. To Daniel chapter 3 and if you have a hard time finding Daniel I'm gonna open up my Bible right along with you so I can like give you guys time to find it but uh, Daniel is right after Ezekiel I think it's like right before Hosea I think oh sweet I felt like right to it uh, but it's a it's a really well-known story for a lot of people who were raised in the church if you weren't, you know, that's fine. You don't really have, like, you don't have to know this story. It's it's really good, though. And it's about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So if you've ever watched VeggieTales and you haven't seen this VeggieTales episode, you've got some homework to do. But I'm not going to read everything verse for verse here just because it's 30 verses and I know I talk a lot, but even I don't have that kind of time. So I'm going to be like summarizing and then focusing in on certain verses. But again, Daniel chapter three, we're going to kind of be going through the whole chapter. And in my opinion, it's helpful to kind of have the book right in front of you so that if I point something out, you can be like, oh, shoot, I see that too. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, so again, Daniel chapter three and uh obviously starting at verse one but this story opens up with nebuchadnezzar's big plans for this ginormous statue uh, it's at a my bible calls it a gold-plated image and i'm not a hundred percent sure if it's an image of nebuchadnezzar but what i do know is that this thing was quote 60 cubits or 90 feet and it's width six cubits nine feet so that means that it's i did the math it's a little under six and a half stories high so like stories as in like building stories and then it's um like one and a half of my wingspans wide and i'm six foot five so i'm my wingspan is huge so this thing is huge and nebuchadnezzar sets it up in this plane uh in his kingdom so that everybody can see it and at the time God had blessed Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom because they had taken a bunch of people from Israel captive. And so now Babylon was either one of the most, if not the most powerful nations in the world at the time. So everybody can see this and everybody in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom knows about it. And he makes this decree to bring all of his called like satraps uh sorry satraps i I looked up how to say it earlier today i still messed it up but 
satraps, the what's called prefects, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, uh, the magistrates and lawyers, and all the chief officials of the provinces. It says in verse, my verse two, to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so basically, he calls all of his people together. He's like, "All right, y'all, I am going to have some music playing." And once you hear that music plan, I want you to fall down, bow down, and worship this golden image that I have set up. And whoever doesn't do this is going to be immediately thrown into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And so all these people hear this decree from one of the king's like messenger herald people, and Nebuchadnezzar like hits play music starts obviously you guys they didn't have a play button back then that was just that was a joke so just don't expect that Nebuchadnezzar had like Spotify back there but he hits the Babylonian version of Spotify hits play and then music starts and everybody starts bowing down and worshiping this thing and I think if I was living in that time that would have looked pretty stupid um not gonna lie like not trying to judge them but like you know you have a bunch of governors and people and you play music and they like sing and like sing praises to this like gold statue like thinking about it and like visualizing that is so weird uh but to be honest i think idolization has moved from physical idols to spiritual ones so like idolizing you know like money or i guess money isn't spiritual but like in move from tangible things to intangible so like money sex uh friendship being known stuff like that but i'll get to that later uh, but yeah so everybody starts bowing down and worshiping this thing but then in verse 8 it says that there are these people who come up to the king to bring these accusations against the Jews it specifically calls them the Jews it doesn't list them by name it just says the Jews and so now you can start to see like the spiritual warfare that's happening because basically what happened was everybody like everybody named mama is worshiping this golden statue and yet these three men Shadrach Meshach and Abednego are not so obviously when three men are doing something contrary to what everybody else is doing everybody else is going to take notice and so these Chaldeans who have historically been enemies of the Jews bring malicious accusations against the Jews you know who else brings accusations against God's people Satan so you can kind of see the parallels uh, but they bring this accusation against the Jews and, and they're like yo king like you're awesome live forever real quick you remember um, that decree that you made about you know when you play the music and it's a whole vibe and everybody's bumping and dancing and vibing and jugging and boogieing and then we all bow down to worship your statue of gold of, of that golden image you've got and that you made that decree and command that whoever doesn't do any of that is going to be thrown into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire like do you remember that and the king's like yeah for sure and they're like well there are these certain jews 
whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like these guys, and they pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Now, it is very, very interesting, I think, that worshiping his gods, Nebuchadnezzar's gods, was mentioned by the Chaldeans. But when you go back to verse 5, there's no mention of a command to worship the king's gods. But the Chaldeans bring it up in their accusation in verse 12. And so that's interesting. So they're just, they're just stacking this. Because what I think is that these people were just jealous of the position that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego held. And so they were just trying to throw the book at them. And that's what happened to Daniel. If you remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den, where Daniel gets promoted above everybody else in King Darius's kingdom, but the people under Daniel, who Daniel had been promoted over, were super jelly, like so jealous. You can make a sandwich out of it. And so they come up to Darius and like, yo, you should make this decree, knowing that Daniel was going to break it because he loves the Lord. And then they bring up all these charges against Daniel to try and just get him with every, every law broken. But just quick summary of that story. Daniel gets thrown into a lion's den, but God is faithful. He shuts the mouths of the lions. King Darius finds Daniel, pulls him up. Daniel gets promoted again, and then the three men and their families, um, well, it doesn't end well for them. We'll just put it that way. Read the story yourself, and you'll, you'll, you'll find out. But back to this. So Nebuchadnezzar hears about the accusation, you know, obviously, because they, they were talking to him. And he is, like, so mad, like, not happy. It says that in a furious rage, he gave this command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before him in his throne room. And it says that Nebuchadnezzar t- says to them, he's like, y'all, is it true that you're not doing what I commanded? And is it true that you don't serve my gods? Uh, it's, it says in the flip door, he says, is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? And he goes, now if you are ready, when you heard the, the music, uh, like, fall down and worship this image which I have set up. Uh, it says, it says, like, verbatim, like, worship the image which I have made very good. But if you do not worship, you shall be thrown at once into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can rescue you out of my hands? That's in verse 15. But what follows is so bold, so brave, courageous, and a little bit gangster. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in verse 16, I'm going to read this verbatim because it's really powerful. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to answer you on this point. If it be so, verse 17 now, our God, whom we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will rescue us from your hand, okay? And now verse 18, but even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Now that is so freaking bold. Like that is, ah, so bold. 
so bold. And I'm going to come back to all of this, but so bold. So much bravery, so much courage shown in that moment. And so Nebuchadnezzar is furious and says that his facial expression changed in my Amplified Bible, but in the NIV it says that his attitude changed towards them. And so he gives this command to take that furnace that was already blazing, make it seven times hotter. And then he gets these super strong dudes to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't know why he thought he needed strong men because they were going to be willing to do it anyways, but whatever. Strong men throw them in the fire, into the furnace. It says that these strong men that tie them up died from the heat of the furnace because it was so dang hot after throwing them in and then the king like it i don't know if it happened immediately after but it certainly happened like after the, like as the next verse after they got thrown in the king looks up into the furnace he's like yo to his you know like counselors and everybody like did we not just like throw three dudes up into the furnace and like well yeah we, we we did just do that um obviously and and he looked and he answers back to him he's like look i see four guys running around in there walking around in the midst of the furnace and they are not hurt and that fourth guy looks like a son of the gods and then he comes up to the uh, entrance of the blazing furnace he calls out shadrach meshach abednego come out of there and they come out, and it says that all those people who were worshiping the king's golden image were there in the room when they come out. And they can see, they gather around them, and they can see that there is no harm uh, on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that there isn't even a singed hair or even a smell of smoke on them, which <clears throat> is absolutely wild absolutely crazy and Nebuchadnezzar just starts singing the praises of God and it says he says blessed uh, he says in verse 28 blessed be the God of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants who believed in trusted in, and relied on him they violated the king's command and surrendered their bodies rather than serve or worship any god except their own god therefore in verse 29 now I make a decree that any people nation or language that speaks anything offensive against the god of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego shall be cut into pieces and their houses may be made into a heap of rubble for there is no god, other god who is able to save in this way and then it says the king gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a promotion. Uh, it specifically says in my Bible that he caused them to prosper in the province of Babylon. Now, there is so much here. I want to go through all of it. So, um, buckle up. But, <laughs> um, there's so much here. And I think the coolest thing about this that I've really learned about God uh, I've heard this in a sermon, but it's so evident to me now. Like, I've been reading and hearing this story my whole life. Like, I'm 18, y'all. So, roughly 18 years that, like, I've heard this story and I've grown up with this story. And I, like, some of the stuff that God's shown me through reading this, and um, I've been given the opportunity to preach this message before. But even now, like, uh, that I get to share it with you guys, like, there's been so much more that the Lord has shown me. And it's like, I've been reading this for 18 years. I've even preached a sermon on it now. And the Lord is still showing me new stuff. 
and that is just so cool like how you can be reading the same thing uh you know most of your life over and over again and god always has something new for you and i just i just don't want anybody to walk away from listening to this podcast uh turn off turn off whatever and think that like god doesn't have a word for them and like the lord isn't speaking to them anymore uh that the lord only speaks through the printed words on the on the pages of this book like y'all this this book this bible that we have is living and active it says in hebrews 12 somewhere it's a living and active uh, like sharper than any two-edged sword that cuts through bone and marrow and like is a divide between like joint and spirit something like that um but the point is like even bringing up that verse like if you ever feel like you don't hear the voice of god or you struggle with that or you feel like god isn't speaking to me just know that he is you just got to open up the bible and you just got to be diligent in studying it and reading it and you've got to be willing uh open-minded open-hearted to say god show me something new and then just like read and let let your mind wander into different questions and uh think about different things but many many sermon over the point is god is still speaking and it's really cool but i want to i want to really jump into this story now uh because there's so much again there's so much to unpack but it, it, it this story is just so cool so why don't we start with the Chaldeans? now i i mentioned it before but i just want to make first point if you want to write it down if you don't i don't I, not that i don't care i don't mind so first point pride comes in idolatry pride comes in idolatry now look at again looking at the adverse what is it 12 looking at the accusation that the chaldeans um, and my Bible says Chaldeans. Your Bible might say like astronomers or magistrates or something. But the point is that these people were from the land of Chaldea, which have historically been enemies of the Jews. And now they're coming to accuse the Jews. And again, remember that parallel because there are a lot of parallels in this story. Like Satan is known as the accuser and he accuses us and we are God's children. Um, so just, just, throwing that bone out there but they accuse the jews of one not um one not paying attention to the king two not serving the king's gods and three worshiping the golden image which the king set up now only one of those things was a sticker uh only one of those things was something that the king had commanded these people to do now obviously like not paying attention to the king like that's something that i think the shaldeans really just made up and just like yeah we're not paying attention to you like that that's not a law i mean you can make a law to pay attention to a king that's weird um and if you do then you're really insecure and you need jesus respectfully um but notice like how when the king hears this like he's so he's so mad he's so mad because he no obviously nobody likes not being paid attention to but especially egotistical maniacs 
do not like not being paid for it. And so he's super, super upset. And so this is why. And it's interesting. It's interesting that they, Sade and specifically mention uh, their positions of authority because it's almost like they're questioning uh, the king's decision to put them in authority. And the king doesn't even notice this. Like he's too mad at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for not paying attention to him, following his gods, worshiping the golden image, to see that these Chaldeans are judging the king and questioning his decision to promote Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into their position of authority. And I will tell you that the enemy will question your position of authority that God has given you. Now, context here, in Daniel 2, the king had made this decree that he was going to kill all of his wise counselors and all of um, his people in government. Uh, I don't know if it was specific, like all people in government, but like a ton of people in his like counseling department, um, to put it simply, because he had this dream and he wanted it to be interpreted, but he wasn't going to tell anybody what the dream was because he knew that then they could just make something up. And so he said he brought like all of his secular people like his astronomers like a sorcerer people who's like you need to one tell me what happened in my dream that i had because i'm not gonna tell you and two you need to interpret it for me and nobody could do it because none of them were god and so this executioner comes to daniel's house and he's like hey i'm going to arrest you and then you're going to die because of this decree but daniel's like whoa 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 let me talk to let me talk to your boy let me talk to the king and so daniel and then shadrach meshach and abednego ask the king for more time so that they can they can try and interpret the dream they these four men go back to pray and then because of those prayers god reveals the interpretation of the dream to daniel and then Daniel gets promoted, and Daniel, being the homie that he is, is like, hey, king, these are my friends, they help me out, and then they get promoted. So, these Chaldeans, who are supposed to be, like, super sciencey and magical and, like, smart and stuff, they were, like, super smart people, I think. That's what the Bible says, but they get one-upped by, not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but by God. But obviously, they don't recognize God as who he is. And so they get mad at three three dudes. So that's just context. And it's all of this is the reason for why Nebuchadnezzar challenges God in verse 15 at this very end where he says, And what God is there who can rescue you from my hands? Because his idolization of fake gods caused him to idolize himself and his own power. And that's the trap that he falls into later in Daniel chapter 4. He was so prideful and thought that he was the one who made himself strong in his kingdom. But like I said earlier, God was the one who was giving uh, him power and authority. And so be careful that you don't idolize anything. Be careful that God is your number one. God's the only reason why you're living and breathing on this earth because if you allow idolization to creep in in any way and that can be like serving another god like literally or idolizing your friends your friends opinions um if you're a guy idolizing girls or if you're a girl idolizing guys or maybe 
um, I don't know, just idolizing relationships or idolizing money or idolizing your time even or sleep. I fell into that sleep idolization trap, you guys, because the bed is comfy. But like those things all lead to pride because once you start like gaining in whatever you're idolizing, you start assuming, oh, I did this myself and oh, I'm so great. And oh, look at me. Like if you idolize money and you start to make a lot of money, you're going to be like, oh, I'm a self-made man and I did this all myself and there's nobody else to help me. I'm so great. Or if you idolize your friends and you start to have a ton of friends, you get super popular. Again, I'm so great. Like, do you see how pride can so easily creep in into literally like anything that we put ahead of God? Um, that's the trap that Satan fell into, but I won't get into that. But that is also the reason why these men, these three men of God answer Nebuchadnezzar in this way in verse 16 uh through 17 or sorry 16 through 18 because they know that their god is so much more powerful than some king's pride and because they know who their god is they're content to give up their lives for him now that's where i want to move into my next point uh it's it, it was a question really that god asked me when i was reading this for the first time because i i was reading this during my quiet time and God had directed me to go to Daniel chapter 3 but once I found it I was like God like why on earth am I reading this like I already know this story but he was like shut up David read the chapter (laughs) and so I did and I get to the end or I get to this part in verse 16 and through 18 and then I read down to the part where they get thrown to the furnace and first off I just want to mention like this courage, faith, and trust in God that these three men showed was astounding. But think about like if this story ends at verse 23, where it says that these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of a blazing fire still tied up. That ends, if the chapter ends there, we head into chapter four. These men die. God, God was like, let's say it ends there. He's like, am I still trustworthy and he asked me like if I allow these three men to die like they said they were willing to do like am I still faithful and me being you know the Christian trained Christian boy that I am like I was like yeah yeah totally and he asked me a really hard question he goes why I was just sitting there I was like uh shucks (laughs) I have no idea and I was praying and thinking on it, and God really, like, the Holy Spirit really gave me some awesome revelation, because to think about it, even if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego died, they would have eternal life with the Father. And an important thing to note is that God's definition of death does not equal our definition of death. It says in John 20, 11, 25-26, when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, says Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 
do you believe this? So death to Jesus, it ain't when the body dies. It's when we're separated from him. So that could be, death, death according to Jesus could be from conception up until the point that you accepted a new Lord and Savior. So you could be like, you could get saved at like 21 and to Jesus, you've been dead for 21 years and you just started living. So according to God, there are just a ton of dead like corpses of people walking around because they have no relationship with them. And so life is when we do have a relationship with God. So obviously it's like, what's a relationship? Like what's life to God then? It's when we have a relationship with him. And when we start to follow Christ, we become Christians, which literally means little Christ or Christ follower. Like that's when we're walking in eternal life with God. Because again, the worldly definition of death isn't God's definition of death. And so that's why your eternal life can and does start the moment that you choose to follow Jesus. And even when your body dies and you die on this earth, like you're still alive according to Jesus because you've got that eternal life and that's something that can never be taken away from you. Even by uh, even by yourself, like you can never have that taken away from you. And so you'll always be living. So if you're a Christian, you are eternally alive. If you're not, then you may be considered dead now, but you can you can come to life through the gospel. But I'll, I'll get to that at the end. But that was the first point that the Holy Spirit brought to me was they valued Christ and they saw death for what God's definition of death was versus man's. And I think another interesting thing to note is that they were content and that's something that I've been having to learn lately uh, is contentedness, like being content with what I've been given. And they had mastered contentedness, even to the point where everything that, that, that had happened in their lives, like they were content with giving it all up so that they could serve God and so that they could please God. Uh, because you can't, you really can't make God love you anymore, but you absolutely can please him more. Um, and they were, they were concerned with pleasing him. And they were like, God, you've blessed us with so many things in our lives. And I'm sure that they could, like, if these three men were like with us today, they could easily go through all the blessings that God had blessed them with, including that promotion, which the Chaldeans used to accuse them. Like the very thing that was used to accuse them, like they'd be grateful for, be like, I'm willing to give that up for you, Jesus. Uh, they didn't know who Jesus was, but I'll be there. But contentedness. So contentedness is kind of like an opposite of pride and idolatry because idolatry, because pride and idolatry come in hand in hand, and contentedness and humility come in the other opposite hand in hand. So if you want to sort of combat pride and idolatry, find verses uh, to memorize and really spend time focusing on being humble and being content and grateful and thankful for what God's given you. And that will humble you because you'll see, man, I didn't do any of this on my own. 
but God did all this for me because he loves me. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was, that was kind of the first and like mini sub lesson that God had for me. But the second was, uh, the next one was God really just does not need to prove himself. Like when we go through trials, like God doesn't owe us anything. Like I, we all, like I always expected, or it's the expectation especially because of this story that God is going to save us from the burning fire like every time but let me tell y'all like the Bible says that I was just reading it in Matthew like I think chapter 24 where Jesus is predicting like end times talking about like how the world will in the end uh, towards closer to the end like the world will hate Christians and they will kill you. Like, Jesus tells you, like, they will persecute you and you will die because of me. So, they're, like, it's not guaranteed that the people who legitimately follow Jesus and who legitimately love Jesus and are willing to sacrifice everything, like, willingness does not protect you from having to go through stuff. Like, willingness just, like, makes it not easier, but makes it more manageable. Like, it is guaranteed that as a Christian, like, you'll go through some sort of persecution. It doesn't say which kind for sure, but the Bible does not draw back or hesitate from mentioning and telling us and informing us about what could happen to us as Christians. So in our trials, when bad things happen, like, just know that God doesn't owe you anything because he is good regardless. And he doesn't have to deliver us, but when he does, it is out of his own goodness and on his timing. And you just need to trust that whatever happens in your trial will actually be your be- for your benefit and for God's glory. And in James 1, 2 through 4, the Bible says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So when we face trials, we can look at them with joy because one, we have an opportunity to prove ourselves faithful to God. And that's just really cool because God's always proving himself to be faithful to us whenever he blesses us. Like Lecrae has this line in this song called Deja Vu, I want to say, and he says every breath is his birthday. It's like serious, like every breath that I take, (sighs) birthday, blessing from God. And like, look around you. Uh, If you're driving in your car, look around you in your car. Like if you're in your house, like just look at where you are and look at all the things that you have. We as Americans are so blessed. Like I'm, I'm sitting in one of my storage rooms and uh, there's a Christmas tree. There are actually two Christmas trees. There's a Christmas tree. There's some hair machine. There's a bunch of weights for working out. My brother's football helmet and his shoes, uh, a humidity fire, like brooms, cabinets. Like there's just an abundance of stuff that we store in here because God has blessed us with an abundance of things. Oh, more Christmas trees. Uh, sorry. An abundance of things to store in here, like blessings upon blessings upon blessings. And so God proves himself faithful to me through all this stuff that I have. Not that I need to idolize it, but just stuff that I have. So I need to be willing to say like, yo God, like I'm going through this really hard thing like right now. Like I'm tempted to watch pornography right now, which can I be fully transparent with y'all? That has been a huge struggle for me 
and praise God, I've been free from it for a few months. But like, I'll give you just an example in my life. Like, I used to be tempted like that all the time. But what really brought me freedom was when I decided, like, no, I'm done. And I see this like temptation as a trial, and it's a joy because I get to say, God, I'm done with porn. And I get to prove it by not doing anything and by not giving into it. And so that's the first thing. The second thing. Um, reason why we can have joy when we look at our trials is because God's going to use them to sharpen us. Like, it says that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Like, you sharpen things by, like, you make things better by, like, iron sharpens iron, really, essentially. It's a Bible verse in Ecclesiastes, but, like, iron sharpens iron. Um, That's the simplest way to put it. And third, the Bible says that God will use trials to perfect our faith so we're getting sharpened and then we're getting perfected because it says that the testing of our faith the testing of our trust in jesus the testing of our contentment in life whatever god is testing but it's always going to be the uh the testing of our faith specifically like produces perseverance so going through hard times like um going through like even take 2020 i think that's something that we can all apply like that produced perseverance and i think most if not everyone in some way shape or form because we all had to persevere through that pandemic and you know not being able to see people for a really long time and even some people are still going through it because they have um, pre-existing health conditions but like that produced perseverance through us and if you let it perseverance it says can finish its work so that you may be mature complete and not lacking in anything so that's why trials are good and then in psalm 34 it says delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires and petitions of your heart and we're able to go through trials because when we delight ourselves in god our desires are changed to be more like God's and so we begin to want what God wants so like the more I read the word the more that I understand it the more like I hear from God like the more that I want to be like him and then the more that I want what he wants like if I see that the Bible says blessed are the meek uh, for they will inherit the kingdom of God I think that's in Matthew 5 somewhere in the Beatitudes and I'm like God I want to be meek well now because I've been reading the word because I've been delighting myself in him I want what he wants for me and so when we want what he wants God can grant us a spirit of contentment and bless us in any way that he chooses because we're no longer resisting his will and when we trust in God he blesses us I mean look at the end of this story like at Daniel 3.30 it says that the king causes the three men to prosper in the providence of Babylon it says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted uh, because they were content because they chose God because they delighted themselves in him so in trials delight yourself in the Lord like bring yourself closer to God and <clears throat> eventually like if you realize like man I need to keep on going through whatever God is having me go through in this tough trial so that he can perfect me like he'll give you contentment in that because you start to want what he wants or maybe You've come to the end of your trial and you're like, okay, God, show me the way out because he's giving you like a desire to get out of that trial. I'm getting very specific, but that that was kind of like the point that I wanted to make because in our trials, we need to trust God because he is God, we're not. 
He is all-knowing, powerful being. I, I am not. So it, it just like it's just logical to trust him. And one of the interesting things in this story, uh, just jumping back to it, is so the king gets super pissed off at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In fact, it says that the king's attitude changed towards them, um, and he got he was just furious. It it mentions the king's rage three times in the Bible, so he was very mad. And like this is all directed at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they get thrown to a furnace. Like imagine you're them. You're let's say you're let's say you're Meshach, because Meshach's a pretty cool name. And you know you're with your boys, and the king calls you in because you refuse to worship his stupid statue and follow his stupid commands and worship his stupid gods. And <clears throat> I'm sorry I'm using stupid so much, but I felt like it. And all of a sudden, you're getting yelled at by the king in front of everybody, and then you get thrown to the furnace in front of everybody because it says that when you came out of the furnace, everybody was there who saw because. And I'm not saying this from experience because I'm not an egotistical maniac who throws people into furnaces when they don't worship my statues that I build. But I would assume, because like, I'll put it this way, fights at public schools or private schools, I don't know if y'all have fights, but fights at public schools, whenever there's a fight, there's always a crowd. So I'm assuming, again, I don't know, but whenever there's somebody who gets thrown to a furnace, there's a crowd. So... You get yelled at in front of everybody in a mob. And then you get thrown to a furnace to die. And you come out because God was there with you. And, like, you could be so high and mighty in that point and yell your dang head off uh, at King Nebuchadnezzar. And you don't. Like, I don't see anywhere in here that these three men, like, turn around and rage back at Nebuchadnezzar. And that takes grace that takes self-control because the bible says in matthew 24 10 proverbs 12 6 and Le- leviticus sorry 1918 like talking about do not be easily offended don't easily be angered and it says don't be easily offended in matthew 24 and Le- proverbs 12 16 don't um be easily upset like um paraphrasing here and then in leviticus 19 18 like don't bear a grudge against anybody but love your neighbor as yourself and like i'm just shocked that these men weren't offended by nebuchadnezzar because i know in my imperfection i would have been i would have been so mad and it's just amazing how there isn't any moment of rage coming from them and here nebuchadnezzar is singing the praises of god after he's just tried to kill god's son nobody tries to get back at him like God allowed him to kind of like join the ranks. Like the life of a Christian is not a life of vengeance, but a willingness to turn the other cheek. Like, do you honestly think that Nebuchadnezzar would want to serve God if his servants held grudges all the time? And even if he still did like want to serve him, do you honestly think that he would want a relationship with God with these men? Like, no, because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose to not be offended by the king's actions. They were able to be graciously, sorry, they were able to graciously accept him into the kingdom of God, like, even before Jesus' time. Like, that's just wild. And it's even more wild when you consider Nebuchadnezzar's actions in this whole story. Because I think in this, like, there, in this story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there's this 
there's this subplot of God's mercy and grace to King Nebuchadnezzar. Because looking at it from the get-go, like there's so much evidence that Homeboy was trying to make himself out to be his own god or, or something. He likens himself to God in verses 1 through 6 when he calls all of his people um, to worship him like God is going to call all of his people to worship him um, in heaven. And in verses 13 through 15, talking about how he's furious with these people and talking about that like you're not serving me and my gods and all prideful and stuff and like you just see that Nebuchadnezzar has fallen so far into pride and idolatry that he's just made himself out to be a god and that's how he thinks of himself and yet God has mercy on him like in fact it says in Daniel chapter 4 verse 37 like talking about how God brings Nebuchadnezzar closer to himself and throughout this whole story and even after that even in the aftermath like God never takes away Nebuchadnezzar's position of authority so it's important to know even when there are people who are tripping up even when there are people who mess up like God put them there and if God chooses they will remain there because he's merciful on them but it's it's just wild to me the grace, the mercy that was shown to Nebuchadnezzar. And in, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but talking about how Nebuchadnezzar's attitude changed. In verse 19, it says, in my Amplified Bible, it says, then King Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and his facial expression changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But in the NIV, it says that his attitude changed. And I just want you to know that Again, like, you cannot make God love you any more than he already does. You can't make him love you any less. But you absolutely can um, change how much he's pleased with you. So, Nebuchadnezzar's attitude changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But God's attitude will never change towards you. He will always love you the same. And that love isn't like some like medial thing like that love is love that says I'm going to send a part of myself my son Jesus from glory in heaven down stripping I'm gonna like I'm gonna he I'm going to strip him of glory I'm going to have him come down live this perfect life as this weak human uh, weak comparatively he's not weak but I'm gonna, I'm gonna live make him live this life as a human be tempted go through all this hard stuff so that he can relate to you i'm going to have him be persecuted and die this horrible death it says that the cross that jesus bore was the most painful death known to man like scientists say that like crucifixion is the worst way to die uh because most people think that you die because of like you bleed out and stuff from being whipped a bunch of times or beaten which jesus was and then some but it's because you suffocate and like your lungs just like collapse and you die that way and it takes a very very long time like jesus hung there for six hours um that's it it's just sometimes i picture it it's just so hard 
um, imagining that and then knowing that somebody chose to do that when he didn't have to and gave himself up for me because he loves me and he did the same for you and this this mercy that God had on Nebuchadnezzar is the same um, that Jesus shows us by and the grace that God had for Nebuchadnezzar was the same that Jesus had for us when he died for us and then the greatest part is, is that the story doesn't end there like he was in the grave for three days and he comes up at, after those three days all of which all of this stuff that I'm telling you Jesus foretold because he's just so powerful and so all-knowing and he comes up out of the grave because when Jesus was nailed to the cross he nailed our sins and iniquities or our sicknesses all of our imperfections to the cross with him and they died with him and when he was resurrected back to life all that was left was Jesus and all we have to do all you have to do is say yes to him he's just asking for that yes he's asking for somebody to say I want relationship with you like whatever you have to offer like I want that and so in closing with y'all the only reason why you and I are here today the only reason why I have all these blessings the only reason why I have this podcast the only reason why I have this specific story the only reason why you can hear my voice the only reason why I'm speaking to you today is because of the gospel like we have a God who is more than worthy of our trust because he is a provider he is a healer a comforter he is a counselor most importantly our savior he is the way because he made the way Jesus is the truth because he is the origin of all truth and he is the life because he is the source and creator of all life and so I ask you if you're Christian take some time after this session um, to identify where your trust is located and when you're faced with a trial like, don't shy away from it prove yourselves to God like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did and fall into contentment and put away the idols and fall into his mercy uh, because if God can have mercy on Nebuchadnezzar then he can have mercy on you um, so when life gets tough ask yourself like am I falling into guilt and shame or am I resting in God's mercy and grace and if you're not Christian and this message spoke to you or um, maybe just the gospel part like you want Jesus for yourself uh, I would just ask that you pray this prayer with me it says in Romans 10 9 that if you confess um, with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord that you will be saved um, again Romans 10 9 and so I just want you to repeat this prayer after me or just pray with me um, and once you've made this prayer and committed yourself to Christ like tell somebody tell a Christian friend and um, plug into a church get connected get supported uh, because this this walk that you're about to enter into this isn't just like some one-time decision and then you live your life normally but no this is a new lifestyle that you're walking into it says like we, like like we defined earlier you're walking from death to life I'm so excited for you so let's let's pray just repeat after me dear Heavenly Father uh, 
dear Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. And I've been dead to you for way too long. And I just want to say I'm sorry. I just want to say thank you for loving me, for sacrificing yourself for me, for choosing me. I ask that you would come into my heart because I acknowledge that you are Lord, you are God. You died on the cross for my sins. You you were raised to life on that third day so that I could have a relationship with you. And I acknowledge you as Lord. And so, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would come into my heart. Change my life. Let me never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, y'all, if you've listened to all 52 minutes and 36 seconds of this podcast so far, I love you. If you haven't, I still love you. Just a little bit less. No, just kidding. Um, But seriously, like... You guys have no idea how much I appreciate your support um, and kind words. Uh, it would mean a lot if you would share this with somebody just because, like, you know, I'm trying to trying to do my thing. And, you know, the more people listen, uh, you know, the more I can do my thing. And really not my thing, but, like, the Lord's thing. I'm going to stop saying that. Uh, but, you know, it would just mean the world. And also... If you want to, if you know me personally, you know my phone number, shoot me a text about what you think. I, I really need improvements, you guys. Like, I, I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to get better at this whole podcasting thing. So, like, if you hear something, one, that is theologically not true, and you want to, like, you know, kindly and graciously be like, yo, David, your podcast was great. However, comma, this was a little bit off. Like, I, like I welcome it all. Um, if you want to just say, like, peep in, like, yo, like, that was great. I also welcome that because, you know, everybody needs positive affirmation. Well, well, yeah, uh, I appreciate it. Um, you know, mini lesson, don't lean on positive affirmation all the time, but um, mini lesson over. Anyways, um, I love you all. You guys are so awesome and so supportive and so great. And um, Lord, I just pray that you bless the people listening to this podcast and that um, you bless me and help me improve because I think, you know, my heart is there. And help me to upload more because I struggle with that. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, again, love you guys so much. Have a great morning because uh, it's like 6.47 where I am right now. Um, AF, I know. So, but, but y'all have a great morning, day, night, afternoon, whatever time of day it is. I love you all. Bye.